Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Folks, we're going on grid. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. The baseball season is closing in. Pitchers and catchers are on the field today. There's already news around the league. Would you believe it? Fantasy Sports Today starts now. It's Fantasy Sports Today. Welcome in. It is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Frank Stample. Good to be with you here on this February 12, 2020. It's time to get the spring training season rolling. Very happy that we uh, are on the field today with some action, with some news, with some discussion. We don't have to make stuff up anymore to entertain you on this show. we got some real stuff to talk about. Chris Bavona is producing the program. Frank, it's, uh, it's finally time. I know in the Northeast it's a little cool. But here in South Florida, the uh, the weather is hot. The players are on the field. And uh, day by day, we're going to have a lot to break down now that we actually have a new cycle actually happening. And good morning to you, Frank. Good morning, Craig. You, as you mentioned, we have a lot going on. We got an interim manager with the Red Sox. We got players signing. We got players hurt. We have reports from yourself, Craig Mish, to talk about as well. What's going on, man? How are you doing? I'm doing well, and yeah, it's uh, it, it's always fun because this is you know re- very reminiscent every year of when NFL training camps open and when spring training players are on the field and when the NBA preseason starts. You kind of get a feel for a lot of the news, the uh, news and notes that are going on right now. But uh, real quick, before we get into the players, let's put this one to bed quick. Frank Ron Renicky is going to take over as the interim manager of the Red Sox. Uh, I have not been able to go back and look at any advanced metrics to tell me one way or the other how this is going to affect players. But I'm guessing that means an Alex Cora decision must be coming down very soon. Yeah, we spoke about this, you know, last week when we heard that there was a chance that he could become the interim manager here. It was a little surprising that they opted to stay within the organization with all the uh, scandals surrounding the Red Sox and the Houston Astros, of course. But they opt to stay with Ron Renicki. He has some uh, managerial experience as well. So the Red Sox finally have their guy, at least for this year. Yep, they also have a new outfielder. We'll get to that in just a minute. Before we do it, let's head over to Dan Strafford. He's got your Sports Grid update. Sports Grid News Update. Well, Craig, in some baseball news, ESPN's Jeff Bassin is reporting that Astros owner Jim Crane will meet with the team at some point on Wednesday to discuss how the team's sign-stealing scandal should be addressed publicly. We did hear from former Astro Marwin Gonzalez earlier this week. New Brave starter Cole Hamels, quote, irritated his shoulder in off-season workouts, and he'll be reevaluated in three weeks. He's not with the team as he remains in Dallas. For now, Matt Kemp will get reps at first base during spring, spring training for the Marlins. MLB.com's John Morosi passes along that the Rangers, Nationals, Rockies, and Phillies have all checked in 
with the Cubs on Chris Bryant's availability in, quote, recent weeks. And the Giants signed right-handed pitcher Trevor Cahill to a minor league contract with an invitation to spring training. In the NFL, the NFL has, in fact, reinstated Browns defensive end Miles Garrett. The move is effective immediately and comes just days after Garrett met with Commissioner Roger Goodell. The star defensive end ultimately missed six games after hitting an opposing quarterback with his helmet at the end of a game. In the NBA, just two games on tap for tonight. We look ahead to the All-Star break. Last night, Zion Williamson proved to be worth the wait. The rookie sunk 31 points and grabbed nine rebounds. The Pelicans 138-117 win over the Trailblazers. Zach Levine had himself a night. Bulls guard posted 41 points, nine boards, four assists, and two steals. And the Chicago lost the Washington Wizards 126 to 114. Russell Westbrook and James Harden, as scary a combo in the NBA has going. They combined for 78 points, 18 rebounds, 12 assists, and three steals in the Rockets 116 to 105 win over the Boston Celtics. And Ben Simmons helped to right the ship in Philadelphia at least for one game. The 76ers guard put up a triple double with 26 points, 10 assists, and 12 rebounds. 76ers beat the Clippers 110 to uh, 113 to 110. I'm Dan Strapper, and this has been in your Sports Grid News Update. All right, thanks very much, Dan. And Frank and Craig now back with you until 1 o'clock Eastern. And we got a lot to cover here on the show. We got three up, three down coming up. We are going to, uh, you know, have a little fun today because on the show, Matt Bodica is going to join us a little bit later along with James Anderson. They will join Frank here on the program. And as I talked about yesterday with spring training underway, uh, it is it is uh, something that I have to do is to be able to cover the Miami Marlins as part of my job, not just here, but also doing uh, podcasting and some of the other work that I do. Uh, so I will be part of this show today for the first uh, 30 minutes, and then I'll be on the full show tomorrow. I'll also be on the full show Friday along with Frank. So, Frank, I apologize uh, for today, and hopefully we'll be able to get things technically all set up video, radio-wise, so I could do my shows from uh, from spring training all over Florida, and we'll continue to cover it in that way. Uh, okay, so now, that's not important. Here's what is important. The Red Sox, let's start off with them. We mentioned Ron Renneke. You and I would probably both throw our hands up and and guess that the Red Sox more or less will probably play the same exact way that they did last year under Cora, uh, but they won't have to defensively because they have arguably one of the best defenders in the outfield as they sign Kevin Pillar. Now, Frank Pillar last year, surprisingly to some by one writer, was actually voted in the top 20 for an MVP vote. He did have a great year. His war was well above average. But the Giants chose to basically discard him in the offseason. There's probably a number of reasons for this. Number one, he would make $10 million at arbitration, something like that. Number two, personally, I know no one wants to hear this, Kevin Pillar helps the Giants win. I don't think that they're trying to win this year, and that's as cynical as it sounds. I think that that's true. Uh, This is not a Mookie Betts, but I got to tell you, I mean, as far as things we've discussed, Frank, and players that have signed over the last few days, I think Pillar has a chance to be a – you know, a, a fourth outfielder in a 12-team league. I think at an AL only, he's probably, you know, a, a $10 player. I see a lot of playing time coming for him. It's not crazy either. You look at his career, 260 hitter, gives you a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. Coming off a career year last year, 21 home runs, 83 runs scored, 88 RBIs, and 14 stolen bases. I would expect those runs and RBIs to take a step back, probably some of those home runs as well. What 
I wanted to ask you, Craig, you know, what does this do for the Boston Red Sox lineup now in general? Because, yes, they do have a great defense with Jackie Bradley Jr. in the outfield and Kevin Pillar in the outfield, but they also have Andrew Benintendi, and they just got Alex Verdugo over from the Los Angeles Dodgers in the trade with Mookie Betts. So I think this throws some cold water on the Alex Verdugo love, somebody that I actually was very interested in when this trade went through, uh, and I, I like the upside for Alex Verdugo a long time. I thought he was going to have everyday playing time here, but now with this signing, I'm not so sure because I think Kevin Pillar is probably going to play every day. They're probably going to play Jackie Bradley Jr. against right-handed pitching at least. He's not great against left-handed pitching. Uh, Verdugo was better against lefties last year, and they also have Andrew Benintendi, so this kind of throws a wrench in things. They can't DH Verdugo. They have J.D. Martinez, so I think this actually throws some cold water on the Alex Verdugo love for 2020. Yeah, I, I think a few days ago, and, and as you mentioned, uh, that you, you mentioned how much that you were excited for him. Um, in the conversation that we had, it was, it's, it's kind of a difference of opinion. I just don't think Verdugo is going to be great. I, I, don't, I don't think so. Now, at the same time, nowhere on my radar was the fact that this guy wasn't going to play. Like, that was not something that was possible. I thought that your take was fair. Hey, look, Verdugo, he, they traded for him. They're going to use him. He's going to play every day in the outfield, maybe even lead off. I think all those things potentially were accurate, but I, but the bucket of water is not just thrown. I mean, it's dunked. Like, I mean, I don't even know at this point what, what they may end up doing. Uh, the good news is, is that Pilar will be somebody that will be moved by Boston, for sure. Uh, I would say that if they don't move him, they still will try and move Bradley if they can at some point also. I know he's got a little bit of an immovable situation, but I think that that's a possibility in July. So Verdugo's going to get his chance. It's just that there's going to be a tremendous amount of pressure for him to succeed not only in the spring, but also in the early part of the season. Because what Pilar, what they'll say, you'll hear the Red Sox say this in the next 48 hours. What does he bring to the table? He brings a lot of great defense, and I guarantee you this is said. He'll bring you professional at bats. This is the cliche that Major League Baseball managers and general managers use when the player isn't fantastic, but you know that every time he goes up there, he's going to see six, seven pitches. He's going to take some walks. You know, he'll hit the ball hard, and, and you know that Pilar is going to do that. We don't know if Verdugo is going to do that yet. We have no idea. I mean, the geek about a buck ten. We just, we, I mean, we really don't have a, a great sample on him. So that's part of the equation, especially on a team that's not trying to win a championship, which indeed Boston is not trying to do. So uh, we'll have to see. But I am well, way more interested in Kevin Pillar now that he's ended up here and with a clear path, I think, to playing time. And Verdugo becomes someone that definitely could break out this year, but also has a chance to be derailed a little bit and more of a 2021 option. So we'll see uh, what happens there. Uh, okay, uh, we got a lot to get to here on the show. Coming up next, we got three up, three down. Throughout the show, I'm sure that we'll be talking about some of the other uh, news and notes that are going around the league, but let me give you a little bit of a snippet. Cole Hamels uh, already hurt in the early part of spring training. You heard Dan Strafford mention that in the update. Looks like he's not going to pitch for the first few weeks of spring. That's the first significant injury thus far. Uh, also, uh, Jason Kipnis, who we talked about on the show yesterday, ends up signing with the Chicago Cubs. So that's part of the conversation we'll be able to break down as well. And then, of course, the money side gets in the way of the reality side where uh, the, the closer of the Rockies is named and it's going to be uh, Wade Davis, which we all know there's only one reason for that, and that is because Wade Davis is making a lot of money, and if he does well, they can end up moving him. Scott Oberg eventually will be the closer of the Rockies, and that's where we'll start today. Coming up next, it's 3 Up, 3 Down. Craig Mish, Frank Stample here on the show. We got you until 1 o'clock Eastern. Plenty of guests coming up on the show. James Anderson will join us. 
and Matt Modica sits in for 30 minutes with Frank. Fantasy Sports Today is back in just a couple of minutes. We're off and running here on this Wednesday, and don't go away. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Three up and three down mean to you, Airman. End of an inning. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mission, Frank Stamfel. Whether you're watching us on Zumo, Pluto, or any of the apps on video, including YouTube, thanks so much for doing that here today. Also, our audio over on fantasysportsnetwork.com. Download the show audio wise on iTunes or Android, and please like and subscribe as well. We'll be talking a lot of fantasy sports with you throughout. The spring and the summer as it pertains to baseball. So let's get started with things that are trending up in the world of sports. It doesn't have to be baseball. It could be anything else. I'll start off with Taco Bell. Now, I'm not a frequenter of Taco Bell, I must admit, but this was a very funny story. Taco Bell closes because employees were late, and uh, basically what happened was the bosses called them out. They posted a essentially a printout of these people basically describing the fact that they weren't there, saying the dining room is closed until the store's workers can show up to work on time. We'll happily serve you through the drive-thru as quickly as possible. We're sorry for the inconvenience that was posted at the front of a Taco Bell. And so, Frank, I mean, I got to give a lot of props to Taco Bell. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm going to head out after the show and go grab a taco or two, but I love the fact that if you can't get to work on time, your boss is going to call you out. Love it. I love it. There has to be accountability in this world, Craig. And speaking of Taco Bell, I went to Taco Bell yesterday, so I'm happy we're talking about Taco Bell today. Got myself a little quesadilla, some of those nacho fries that are so hyped up in the commercials. They're actually pretty damn good. Uh, But I'm all for accountability, Craig. I love this story from Taco Bell. Yeah, see, see, this is where I don't understand you, Frank, okay? I mean, you live in, (laughs) now, the, the mecca of pizza, like, if, if I lived in New York, it would be breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I'm not saying that there's no good pizza in South Florida, because there's a couple. But if I lived in New York, there's no way I would even touch no disrespect to Taco Bell. I would not. I, I mean, well, I mean, you, you basically probably have the best pizza in the country at every corner. What are you doing? We definitely have the best pizza in the country. There's no doubt about it. But admittedly, I'm probably desensitized to it. I've had so much pizza in my life, Craig, and I still don't mind pizza every now and then. You know, once every couple of weeks, you go in, grab a slice, maybe two, uh, and there are some great pizzerias in my neighborhood as well, back in Queens, uh, that I love to frequent, but I'm almost desensitized to it. I've had a lot of pizza in my life, Craig, so um, sorry, man. It's Tuesday, Taco Tuesday. How can you pass up on, 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 on the Taco Bell, man? Yeah, very disappointing to hear that. All right. Yeah, that's like living in uh, South Florida and saying I don't go out in the sun and go on go in the water. Why would I do that? I'm desensitized to it. Well, okay. Yeah, fair enough. I don't go on the water enough. Okay, yeah, be a fair point, Frank. You got me. All right, uh, second, three up, three down. Shohei Otani is back 
I want to get Otani in a fantasy league this year just to have that headache. I want to do it. I want to see how it plays out. You know, I don't like the idea that he's two players in a league. I like the idea of him being one player in a league. But, Frank, he's going to be back in May as a hitter and a pitcher. We're finally going to get this thing uh, to fruition. It's been three years. Do you have any interest in, in going on the Otani ride this year? I'm with you. Maybe I'll grab him in one league, but you're right. It's going to be a headache. There's no doubt about it. He's going to be good to go as a hitter early on in the season from opening day. Uh, good to go there, but will, will not pitch until mid-May. And I think it makes sense from the Angels' perspective. They're a team that obviously has playoff aspirations. They want Otani to be able to pitch maybe even into the postseason this upcoming year. So, again, uh, he hasn't pitched since the 2018 season. I'm sure that they're going to be cautious with him. I I would like maybe one share of him, but it absolutely is going to be a headache. Uh, In terms of him as a hitter, though, the guy is absolutely legit. Uh, Through through 220 games, he has an 883 OPS in his career already. So the bat is absolutely legit. I think he's a great pitcher as well in terms of strikeouts. Uh, We'll see how much rust he'll have to shake off. I'll have one share of Otani, but it's definitely going to be a headache. You're right, Craig. Yeah, it, it, it is, but it's worth an investment, I think, just to see if, if you can manage it in a league, and it depends on the format, too. Daily league is definitely the best way to go. Uh, if you have Otani, you can put him in, put him out. You don't want to be in a situation where you're wondering if he has two starts on a Sunday night making those kind of calls. I, I get it, Frank. That's that's part of the equation. And then uh, also trending up on three up, three down. Hey, look, it's the easiest call of all. I just didn't want to do it first. I'm saving it for last. Baseball's back, folks. It's awesome. Uh, you know, for somebody who's grown and followed baseball, uh, how long have I been going to spring training? Probably 30 something years, 31, 32, maybe even more than that. Uh, this is a great time of the year to be here in, uh, in South Florida in particular. And I know in Arizona, it's also amazing in uh, Western Florida. Amazing too. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to have four teams within an hour of my house, uh, that I don't get to see a lot during the regular season. I don't see Houston at all only see St. Louis a few times. So great time of the year. Can't wait to get started out there today. And Frank, with that, I'll turn it back over to you for your things that are trending up. Yeah, excited for you today, Craig, to get out there back to the Marlins spring training uh, and you'll get to talk to other teams as well. So looking forward to uh, some of these tidbits that you can find out and uh, help both myself, yourself, and all the people watching and listening out there uh, for fantasy baseball in 2020. You mentioned we had a lot of news earlier on today, and one news item that came across was the Pirates are signing Jared Dyson uh, to play center field for the Pittsburgh Pirates this upcoming season. He replaces Starling Marte, and he's probably not going to play against left-handed pitching, but everybody's trying to find speed this upcoming season, Craig. And I'm uh, one pick away from being on the clock in an NFBC draft right now in round 30 and Gerard Dyson is not drafted yet. So I am hoping that the person uh, who is drafting ahead of me is not listening or watching uh, because I would love to get my hands on Jared Dyson again. Uh, if you need speed, he is someone who has provided 26 or more stolen bases in seven of the last eight seasons. Uh, everyone's trying to find speed. He won't give you much more than that, but uh, the stolen bases are legit maybe as a fifth outfielder uh, in 12 or 15 team leagues this upcoming season. Craig, my second trending up item comes from... Craig Mish, 
Matt Kemp uh, is going to get reps at first base this year. I saw this earlier on Roto World. It's still kind of surreal to me that uh, I'm co-hosting a show with you and you get your uh, your blurbs uh, on Roto World. Uh, you are sourced as the uh, the information there with Matt Kemp expected to uh, get some reps at first base. Let's not forget, I mean, this guy is one year removed from a pretty damn good season where he hit 290, over 20 home runs with the Los Angeles Dodgers back in 2018. So we saw the interview yesterday with Jesus Aguilar. I guess this is kind of a spring training battle-ish. We'll see what happens here with uh, Matt Kemp and Jesus Aguilar heading into the 2020 season. And then my final trending up topic, once again, courtesy of Danny Okers, our producer here. Uh, he's got me covered with all the pop culture, and he has these awesome stories regarding how you can get free food on Valentine's Day if you partake in an activity. So what we have here is the at Burger King, if you swap a pic of your ex, you will get a free Whopper this Valentine's Day. So look, if your girlfriend, boyfriend, whoever it might be, has left you in the past year, the past couple of years, you still haven't forgot about it, you can eat your way out of it by getting a Whopper at Burger King this Friday, Valentine's Day. Bring your pic bring the picture of your ex to Burger King, and you will get yourself a free Whopper there. Uh, it seems like we've had a lot of fast food talk recently here on the show, Craig. Uh, I, I don't know if you're up for Burger King, but if you want a free Whopper, there you go. This coming Friday, you've got it, man. Yeah, I mean, the problem for me is that I'd have to find an ex from 15 years ago because, indeed, today <laughs> is my 15-year uh, anniversary with my wife being married, so... Um, you know, oh, I'd congrats. Have to go back. Thank you. But, yes, I'd have to go back a long way to find one of those. The other thing that I was asking, sounds like Burger King's looking to, uh, you know, start the new Tinder up a little bit here. You know, swipe left, uh, swipe right, just grab a picture. They have this, this uh, full book of pictures that everybody brings in. They know that they could possibly be single. I think it's a good move. All right, trending down for me. Uh, story yesterday uh, on ESPN, Theo uh, Epstein, Joe Madden talked a little bit about their breakup. Looks like Madden went into it a little bit more than Theo did saying that basically Theo just simply wanted to do things his way the last couple of years. It didn't get ugly, but it still is trending down a little bit. I would have loved to see this end extremely well. No bad feelings, no hard feelings at all, because, again, these two did pair up to get the Cubs a World Series title. Uh, secondly, trending down, the Athletic reported yesterday that Carlos Beltran wouldn't even allow the stopping of the stealing of signs. It looks like Brian McCann potentially tried to get involved in this. The Athletic's doing some great reporting with the story, and it's like the story that will never end. Maybe it will today when the Astros uh, open up their camp in West Palm Beach. And then finally, trending down for me, Frank, is that David Tepper, the owner of the uh, Carolina Panthers, essentially didn't endorse Cam Newton as the starting quarterback of the Panthers next year, basically saying, hey, can you can you tell me he's healthy? Uh, you really couldn't give any indication whatsoever. Don't like to see that. Franchise quarterback for a decade. Got to go out a good way, I think, with Cam Newton if you're going to go that route. That's what's trending down. Yeah, we'll see what the Carolina Panthers end up doing with their quarterback situation. Obviously, they invested a lot of money in Matt Rule uh, for the next six or seven years in that organization. So he's got uh, a very big task of figuring out what to do at the quarterback position this upcoming season. I think they'll probably go for Cam, go with Cam for at least one more season. My uh, trending down, my first one here, you mentioned it earlier. We had it in the news update. Cole Hamels irritated his shoulder and will be reevaluated in three weeks. I think it's quite optimistic to expect him to be ready for the start of the season 
season. He dealt with some shoulder uh, troubles last year in September, and he was someone I was actually targeting. He's going very late in drafts, and last year, before he ended up injuring his oblique, he actually pitched pretty damn well. 2.98 ERA uh, through June 28th. Uh, the strikeouts were up as well, and then once he returned later on in the season, his final 10 starts, he had an ERA close to 6, so I think that he was pitching through some injury, uh, like we said, with Verdugo, kind of throw some cold water here on Cole Hamels uh, heading into the start of the 2020 season. Craig, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but the Knicks just can't stop shooting themselves in the foot. They had Steve Stout yesterday on first take, uh, and he basically went out and said that the team is going to have a new coach heading into uh, the next season, and like he's been brought in to rebrand the Knicks. I don't know why he's talking like he has the control to you know, hire the next coach of the New York Knicks. And, of course, uh, the Knicks had to send out a statement yesterday regarding themselves and the actions from Steve Stout yesterday on first take. So uh, they have a new president in Leon Rose, but it seems like a situation with the same old Knicks here uh, in New York, Craig. All right, so that's what's trending down here on the show from Frank and I. Coming up next, it's time for Frank's stamp of approval. We'll be right back on Fantasy Sports Today. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. His approval rating, the highest of his career. Record disapproval from voters. The approval ratings at its peak. This is what gets Frank's stamp of approval. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today, live on the Sports Grid TV Network. Craig Mish out on assignment with the Miami Marlins today, but as we did last Wednesday, we'll try and bring you my stamp of approval, five players that I am in on for the upcoming season, and I'll give you the reasoning why beginning right now. Let's start with Manny Machado with an ADP of 61.1 in the NFBC in the month of February. Let's not forget, Manny Machado was a second round pick last year in fantasy baseball leagues and now you're getting him in the fourth, sometimes the fifth round. In the draft champions draft that I'm doing right now, I got Manny Machado in the fifth round. No doubt, last year was a disappointment. His first season after signing a mega contract, hit 256, 32 home runs, and 81 runs, 85 RBI, and five stolen bases. But we've seen this before. He hit 259 back in 2017. What did he do the very next season? He bounced back to hit 297 with 37 home runs the following year in 2018. I understand he's been streaky. Some years he's really up, some years he's really down. And now we're buying the dip when it comes to Manny Machado. I looked into the batted ball data. Everything checks out. StatCast looks fine. The hard hit rate looks fine. He did strike out a career high 19% of the time. But his swing strike rate was not much higher than where it is normally at uh, in his career. So I am buying back in on Manny Machado this upcoming season. Again, look, I'm projecting him 275, 35 home runs, uh, close to 100 RBIs, 7, 8 stolen bases. The stolen bases are really all over the place for Manny Machado. And if you are a conspiracy theorist, I will just bring this up. 
Jeff Zimmerman, who does great work, tweeted this out the other day. Manny Machado was hit by a pitch on August 8th last season. Before the hit by pitch, 272, 340, 494 triple slash. After the hit by pitch, 213, 319, 375 triple slash. He might have been playing through something, the pressure of the first year after signing that mega contract. We all want Padres on our fantasy baseball teams this year. You know who's hitting in the middle of that lineup? It's Manny Machado by the dip. Manny Machado, you have my stamp of approval in 2020. All right, let's move over to Jose Abreu, 74.9 NFBC ADP in the month of February. I feel like I don't really have to say much more. I feel like I just have to say Jose Abreu, and that should be the end of my analysis. I don't understand what more Jose Abreu has to do in order to earn more respect. This guy, he gets no respect, Jose Abreu. Uh, Let's look at what he did in 2019, right? 284 batting average, 33 home runs, 85 runs scored. 123 RBI. He led the American League in RBI last season. You like StatCast? Good. So do I. Let's look at some of the StatCast numbers. Career highs across the board. 9.1% barrel rate. If you don't know what barrels are, they are basically optimal contact. At least 98 miles per hour exit velocity between a 26 and 30 degree launch angle. When you are barreling up a baseball, That expects a 500 batting average and a 1,500 slug percentage. So he had the highest barrel rate of his career. He was 16th in uh, he was 16th in baseball in terms of barrel rate last year. 92.1 mile per hour average exit velocity, the highest of his career. That was 15th in baseball. His hard hit percentage was 93rd percentile in all of baseball as well. His lineup is easily a top five lineup in all of baseball. Everyone's excited about Luis Robert. They have Edwin Encarnacion on that team. They have Yuan Moncada. They have Tim Anderson. What more can you ask for? I don't think this guy's RBI total is going to drop far off from the 123 that we saw last season based on the lineup heading into 2020. My projection personally, 280 batting average, 30 to 32 home runs, 85 runs scored, at least 100 RBI. Jose Abreu, you have my stamp of approval in 2020. All right, let's move over to Mike Moustakis, 106.4 NFBC ADP in the month of February. And much like Jose Abreu, man, Mike Moustakis just absolutely gets it done. Year in and year out, the guy makes a ton of contact, and now he moves over to maybe the best ballpark and the best lineup he has ever played in. No disrespect to the Milwaukee Brewers. They have a great lineup for left-handed power as well. Christian Yelich was in the same lineup as Mike Moustakis last year, and obviously Christian Yelich is a hell of a ball player. But this Cincinnati Reds lineup is a very deep lineup and is also one of the best ballparks to hit in in all of baseball. There's a reason why it's referred to as the Great American Small Park. Mike Moustakis finally cashes in uh, with the contract that he was looking for. He'll turn 32 this upcoming season, 28-plus home runs in three straight seasons. That is Mike Moustakis. Last year in 2019, enjoyed a career year, 35 home runs, 87 RBI, in 143 games, so he actually could have even been better than that. I know he was playing through some injury in the second half of the season as well. A 9% walk rate, that was a career high. 
He has pretty good plate discipline. Again, as I mentioned, the strikeout rate, right around 15 16% in his career. He puts the ball in play. He's also been lifting the ball more uh, in the, the past couple of seasons. Career high, 44.5% fly ball rate. Back-to-back seasons over a 41% hard contact rate as well. And he was actually better against left-handed pitching. This is something I like to look at for all hitters. Uh, I like to look at their splits. Lefty-righty, home road. He was better against left-handed pitching in 2019 than he was against right-handed pitching. So there's actually some uh, regression uh, that we can potentially expect in the batting average department for Mike Moustakas. Last year against lefties, he had 276 with an 877 OPS. Against right-handed pitching, a 244 batting average with an 831 OPS. Again, his career batting average against righties is higher than that 244 mark. So I uh, might even see some regression that way when it comes to Mike Moustakas this upcoming season. Career 255 hitter, that's fine. His career expected batting average 266. Again, we could see that batting average climb. I'm projecting Mike Moustakis for this upcoming season in 2020 as a, men- a member of the Cincinnati Reds. 260 batting average, 35 home runs, 80 runs scored, 90 RBI. He's going about 30 to 40 picks later than his teammate Eugenio Suarez. And I don't think that they're projection is going to look much different. So give me the value of getting Mike Moustakis, who again has second and third base eligibility in 2020. Mike Moustakis, you have my stamp of approval. All right, Fran Mill Reyes, 149.5 NFBC ADP in the month of February. And we're going to talk about Fran Mill Reyes later on on the Fantasy BFFs today at 3 p.m. with Greg Sussman. We're going to talk about some power hitters that uh, might potentially negatively regress this upcoming season uh, that might have been influenced by the juiced ball this past year. Fran Mill Reyes, give you a little sneak peek. He is not one of those players who is going to see negative regression this upcoming season. I love buying in on Fran Mill Reyes. I mean, this guy is a mammoth human being. If you've watched the San Diego Padres the past couple seasons, if you watched him join the Cleveland Indians for half a season last year, he is a monster among men. This guy just absolutely mashes whenever he gets the bat on the ball. He's still just 24 years old. He's going to turn 25 in season. The batting average did dip. From 280 in 2018 to 249 in 2019. But there are reasons for optimism. I'll get to that a little bit later on. And when it comes to the batting average, uh, Fred Reyes does strike out a lot. He's going to strike out 28 to 30% of the time. Uh, So you're going to see volatility in that batting average. Really reminds me of uh, Chris Davis with a C from years ago. You would see him one year hit 270. The next year he would hit 200, uh, maybe even below 200. There's a lot of volatility for projecting batting average when you have batters who strike out as much as as, uh, they do nowadays, right? In that 28 to 30% range. Some of these sluggers like Fran Milreyes and an Aaron Judge and a Pete Alonso, you're going to see volatility uh, in the batting average. He did wind up hitting 37 home runs last year with 81 RBI. I mentioned that he just destroys baseballs over the past two seasons. His 46.2% hard contact rate ranks 15th among all hitters with 750 plate appearances. He does hit a lot of ground balls. I know that's something that Greg's going to ask me about later on. But, again, he lowered his ground ball rate by 5% from 2018 to 2019. And he raised his launch angle by 2.7 degrees last season as well. Mention the hard contact, 93.3 mile per hour average exit velocity, fourth in all of baseball for Fran Mill Reyes last year behind only Aaron Judge, 
Miguel Sano, and Nelson Cruz. The batting average regression I mentioned earlier, 249 was his actual batting average. His expected batting average, 264. I expect some regression this year. If I'm projecting him, 260, 35 home runs, right around 80 runs scored, 90 to 100 RBIs as well for Fran Mil Reyes. You have my stamp of approval in 2020. All right, I spoke about four hitters thus far. I'm, I have to get to one starting pitcher, and that's going to be Luke Weaver here. We're coming up on a break, but I'll hit on Luke Weaver real quick. Last year, we saw the improvements that he made. A 2.94 ERA, 107 whip. The strikeouts, over a strikeout per inning last year, 9.6 Ks per nine. The walks, all the way down to 1.96 walks per nine. He started using a cutter more last year, so he has the fastball changeup, deadly combination. Started to use the cutter more last year as well. The only thing you have to worry about with Luke Weaver, in my opinion, is the injuries. If he can stay healthy, I really like the improvements I saw in 2020. Luke Weaver, you have my stamp of approval. All right, when we come back, we will be joined by James Anderson. We, I'm talking like there's more than one person here on the show. I guess I can include Danny Okers, but James Anderson will be joining us on the phone to talk prospects in redraft fantasy baseball leagues in 2020. We'll do that next here on Fantasy Sports Today on the Sports Grid TV Network. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today, live on the Sports Grid TV network. We're now going to be joined by James Anderson, the lead prospect analyst and assistant baseball editor over at Roto Wire. Of course, it is my job to know of the prospects and to know about the prospects, and I try my best to dive into the prospects as well. But anytime we really want to get the inside scoop on some of these guys, we have to sometimes reach out and get a little help, and that's what I'm doing today with James Anderson of Roto Wire. James, what's going on, man? How's everything? Everything's great. Thanks for having me on, Frank. Yeah, no doubt, man. I think everyone knows at this point that Luis Robert is going to be the most sought-after prospect in redraft leagues. And I think you know people are kind of drawing comps to Ronald Acuna and where he was going a couple of years ago before he made his debut in the major leagues. He was going in that fifth, sixth-round range, if I remember correctly, in NFBC leagues a couple of years ago. And Luis Robert, we see uh, with a similar ADP right now. Look, he was phenomenal last year. 32 home runs, 328 batting average, 30 six stolen bases uh, across three different levels even that ascension right like starting at high a ball moving up to double a moving up to triple a dominating the way that he did reminds you a lot of Ronald Acuna the way that Acuna did that at three different levels as well you know what can you tell us about Luis Robert this upcoming season what you're expecting uh, and you know what should what should we expect in terms of the strikeout rate as well because that's the biggest flaw that I've heard about Luis Robert is that he does have that hole in his swing obviously we know the power is legit the speed is legit, uh, but that's probably something he has to work on here in 2020. Yeah, so I'll, I'll start things off with a, a take that I don't think is that hot, but it's apparently pretty hot based on ADP, and I actually I prefer Gavin Lux over Luis Roberts for 2020. 
among prospects. I just think that when you look at Robert, I, I think he's going to hit below 250 as a rookie. He might even hit below 240, at least in the first half, as he's getting used to big league pitching. He's just He struggles with breaking ball uh, recognition. The power is big time, like down the road. I think he could be a 30-plus homer guy. Obviously, everyone wants speed, and, and so that's why he's getting pushed up draft because people see a guy that could steal 20-plus bases. But I just think the batting average is going to be low enough, and I think Gavin Lux is also a guy that's going to get you double-digit steals, double-digit homers, and he's way more ready to hit big league pitching. So I think Robert's getting a little overdrafted right now just because everyone's chasing that speed. And while I think you're going to get that speed and you're probably going to get you know 15 to 20 homers as well, I just think the batting average is going to be a negative for you, and I think he's going a little bit too high. All right, so I got to follow up there and ask you about Gavin Lux now. So you think that he can uh, outproduce Luis Robert here, his first season in the majors, first full season in the majors, rather? Are you worried about the playing time with the Los Angeles Dodgers when it comes to Lux? Because they have all these different pieces, and you know they like to move things around there with with Dave Roberts. Are you worried about Gavin Lux's playing time this upcoming season? Uh, and then how does his profile really play out in uh, in his first full year here in 2020? I'm not really worried about the playing time. He's my number two overall prospect behind Wander Franco. I, I think he's a guy with a 70-grade hit tool. He's going to end up having uh, plus power, above average speed. He's a really good defender at second base. He's not a great defender at shortstop. But, you know, guys with that type of pedigree, that type of upside, don't get platoon. They don't get jerked around from a playing time standpoint. So, sure, if he, if he were to really struggle in, in April – into May, uh, I'm sure he would lose out on some playing time, but I don't think they're going to go into the year with a plan to, to limit his playing time out of the gate. And so I, I'm just not really worried about that because I believe in the bat so much. I believe in the player so much. So, uh, I mean, that's, that's kind of my reasoning there. All right, James, let's move back over to the Chicago White Sox. We already spoke about Luis Robert here, and I see a lot of people on Twitter recently talking about Nick Madrigal of the Chicago White Sox. Uh, and as of now, we have Leori Garcia penciled in as the starting second baseman uh, for the White Sox, but they've been very aggressive with how they've handled prospects. They've already given Luis Robert that contract extension. They did the same thing with Eloy Jimenez last year. Uh, it's clear that they want to compete in 2020, so there's still a chance that Madrigal can win the starting second base job uh, out of training, uh, out of spring training here uh, and be the uh, opening day starting second baseman. I'm looking at his numbers from last year. 311 batting average, 35 stolen bases. Everybody's chasing speed. The thing that stands out to me most is the plate discipline. He had 44 walks compared to 16 strikeouts. What do you have on Nick Madrigal this upcoming year? Uh, when would you expect him? What are the chances that he can actually break uh, the opening day roster here with the Chicago White Sox? So I think the thing to be on the lookout for this spring is I would not be surprised if they ink him to a long-term extension the same way they did Robert, the same way they did Ila Jimenez last year. Uh, so that's something I'm looking for. I wouldn't be surprised at all if that happens. And if that happens, of course, we'll be on the opening day roster. If that doesn't happen, we probably have to wait until late April. Uh, so it might be Garcia in the short term. But, you know, Madrigal is going to spend the majority of the year in the big leagues one way or another. And I think he's a he's going to be a very useful fantasy player as long as your expectations are right. Like he could be a guy that hits uh, around 300 as a rookie, maybe even over 300 as a rookie. He's a guy that that might even profile best for them as a leadoff hitter. When you just look at the rest of that lineup, uh, you know you look at maybe Yon Mancada as one of the few guys who actually, uh, or maybe even Yasmani Grandal is one of the few guys in that lineup that's actually going to get on base enough to hit a top of lineup. But those guys are 
such run producers, you probably don't want them up there. So Madrigal could be their leadoff hitter as well. So I think you're going to get a high average. You're going to get a lot of runs. And like you said, you're probably going to get 20-plus steals. Just don't be surprised if he's a huge, huge zero in the power and RBI department. There's power is just not a part of his game right now. But as long as you're looking at him as a three-category guy and not a five-category guy, you won't be disappointed. Once again, we're speaking with James Anderson. Make sure at Real J.R. Anderson. He's the lead prospect analyst and assistant baseball editor over at Roto Wire. And I don't even know if Michael Kopech still has his prospect, but I've got to ask you about Michael Kopech because he's someone that I'm pretty excited about this upcoming season, James. Uh, and he's coming back injury that he had in September of 2018. And his career in the minors was just ridiculous. 305 ERA, one two. Two one whip, five hundred and fourteen strikeouts in five and two thirds innings pitched. How do you see the season uh, playing out here for Michael Kopech? Again, the White Sox want to be aggressive. This upcoming season was not great last year, although he has you know some prospect pedigree at the back end of that rotation. Gonzalez as their fifth starter right now as well. You know I think if Kopech pitches well in the spring, there is a chance that he can earn a job rotation to open the season. What do you expect? from Kopek this year, and when would you expect him to, if at all, maybe they use him as a reliever this upcoming season? Yeah, you know, I, I think Kopek has a very high ceiling long-term, obviously. I just don't think 2020 is the year to go chasing him in, in redraft leagues. It's it's typically not the year to go chasing anyone in their, their first year back from Tommy John surgery. I think 2021, you're going to have a, a nice buying opportunity because I don't think the number is going to be all that great this year, especially whip. Like, I, I think he's going to be a big time liability in the whip department. If you're playing Roto, uh, the strikeouts should be there from day one, but control command, usually the last thing to come back for guys returning from Tommy John surgery. And, you know, guys can have setbacks too. Tommy John surgery isn't a 100% success rate type of thing. Even the 85% number you get, you see get thrown out. Uh, that includes guys that took a year or two to really get it back. So to me, he's a 2021 guy. I do think he spends a good chunk of the year in the big league rotation, but I think there's going to be some growing fans this year. James, I want to ask you about Joe Adele of the Los Angeles Angels. He seems to be the other prospect that is really, really uh, talked about a lot in the coming season. We we see, you know, the videos of his work Twitter and Instagram and everything that he's doing, and he has that, you know, five-tool type of upside. And I think the fact that the Angels team that trade with the Dodgers to get Jock Peterson actually helps Joe Adele's case for cracking uh, uh, the roster sooner rather than late level. I don't think that he's going to, you know, like be on the opening day roster by any means. You know, he still has a lot to work on. Last year uh, in AAA, his first taste at Triple ended up hitting 264 with a 676 OPS. So I want to ask you again about Joe Adele. A lot of people excited about him this year in 2020. Should we be excited about him this upcoming season, or is he more of a 2021 guy as well? I mean, just imagine that outfield with Mike Trout and Joe Adele is really, really exciting. But I feel like he still uh, is a little bit more raw than some of these other guys that we talk about, just based on the numbers that we saw last year, James. Yeah, Frank, I think you, you nailed it. Uh, you know, you never want to say that a guy that's as talented as Adele can't make adjustments in a hurry. So he could very easily go out there and just dominate at AAA in April and get that call late April, early May. But I think the Jack Peterson trade that did fall through kind of tells us the Angels know he's not quite ready. I mean, they did actually want to get uh, Jack Peterson in there. So 
Um, you know, he's not really a guy that if, if you're in like a 12 team, 15 team, mixed league, redraft league, he's not a guy that I'm really going after because it, it wouldn't really surprise me if we're waiting until May, late May, maybe even June until he's up. So I just don't like to use a roster spot that way. But I mean, the ceiling is very high. I mean, what Fernando Tatis Jr. did last year really surprised me just because he, he jumped over triple A. He was striking out a ton at double A. Uh, but he was just so talented that it didn't matter. I mean, Adele might be the same type of thing. So, uh, you know, I, I understand the excitement. I just, he's not a guy that I'm going after in drafts right now. Once again, he is James Anderson. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. He has the Prospect Podcast that he does with Clay Link. He also has his top 400 prospect rankings. James, I'll give you an opportunity here to just kind of talk about whatever else you've got going on uh, over at Rotowire. I know you got some really cool stuff going on there. Yeah, I've been uh, releasing an article uh, each week going through every single prospect you need to know for Dynasty Leagues in uh, per division. So, like, you know, not setting it at 20 prospects or 30 prospects per team. I'm just listing every single guy you need to know about and then telling you something about them. And then when that series is done, at the end of next week, I'll be having a big update to the top 400 prospect rankings. Uh, there's tabs on there where you can sort for first-year player drafts if you just want guys that signed in 2019. There's arrows that show who's been trending up, who's been trending down, who just got added to the rankings. So I think there's there's a lot of cool stuff on there. Uh, if you want to try it out without putting down a credit card or anything, rotowire.com slash radio gets you a, a free seven-day trial, and uh, you can see what see what we're all about. He is James Anderson. Follow him on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. Thanks so much again, James. Coming up in hour two, we're going to touch on some of these new, some of these news items again that we saw released this morning. We'll have Matt Modica coming on at 12:30 as well. This is Fantasy Sports Today on the Sports Grid TV Network. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid.